Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, December 17th, 2023. This is our last live show of the year. We have our holiday specials coming up the following two weeks uh, because it's Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So, you know, you got to take some time off. So enjoy those shows. But what a great way to end the year with live guests. Sammy Dijon. Sammy's been in the show so many times. I love talking with him. Sandy Vasquez of Ruthless. Roland Grappow of Master Plan. And stick around. we got a great one tonight. Plus, maybe we'll go into overtime with extend the show a little bit tonight because you know I have my list of my top 10 favorite albums of this year and I figure maybe we'll spread out a song or two from each of those records over the course of the show with our regular music right there Trauma we are watching you you know what they were right everything that Trauma said in that song came true it just took another 20 years after they thought it was going to happen 1984 the song came out they were talking about 1994 really you know we're living in that world today 20 years after that we're being watched and monitored with every breath and step that we take it's pretty bad (laughs) All right, let's get to the music tonight. We'll try to squeeze in what we can before the first interview. We'll be talking to Sammy and Sandy in about 25 minutes. Uh, you know what? We'll skip on the, the top 10 of 2023, but we have to get to Shock Paris. Ken Erba passed away this week, the guitar player and founder of that band. Uh, we last spoke to Vic Hicks, I think, in 2020 when Full Metal Jacket came out. And Vic was always a great guy to talk to. And that band should have been a lot bigger than they were. They had a lot going on back in the day. But, you know, the music business, it's a crazy business, you know, but in Ken's memory, let's do a little shock Paris. Go down fighting.
right, Dr. Mastermind, man of the year. After the Wild Dogs kind of broke up in 84, you know, Matt McCourt formed Dr. Mastermind. They only had that one record out until they kind of got back together in 2005. Matt had so many things going on. They're all kind of interloop or lock with each other. You can lose track of, you know, between Fat Matt and Dr. Mastermind and all the other stuff he has going on. It's all sort of derivatives of the Wild Dogs. But that was a really good record. Uh, they had another one that came out in 2005, like I said, when they kind of put it back together again. But I haven't played them in a long time, and it was good to hear that. And before that, Obsession, Hatred Unto Death. I remember 1983 walking into Zigzag Records, my local record store for heavy metal, and uh, seeing that EP up on the wall and having to get it. And I was not disappointed. I became such a big fan of those guys. The problem with, with the Obsession was that it took them three years before Scarred for Life came out in 1986. And, you know, back in the 80s, on the height of metal, three years is a long time to have in between records. Because uh, a lot changed, especially during those years from 83 to 86. Hair metal took off, so I mean, a lot of the fans were like, you know, hair metal crazy. And then you had bands like Slayer and Metallica who were like just exploding at the time, especially Metallica in 1986 with Master of Puppets. And, you know, power metal kind of got lost in the middle. It was either one extreme or the other. And, you know, Scar for Life came out a great record, but kind of flew under the radar. They followed up a year later with Methods of Madness, which was another pretty good record. And that was kind of it for the band. But they do play every now and then. They got more of the original members back together now than they have in a long time. So maybe we'll get a new record. I mean, Order of Chaos in 2012 was the last Obsession record. So we are definitely due for another one. All right, let me see. What do we got here? Uh, we got about five minutes, so let's, uh, we'll play a Ruthless song, and by then, the band should be calling in. Uh, you know, Dean Snyder, he needs his, like, his own website, like Blabbermouth, because he talks so much shit. I mean, last week, one 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 interview he did in the morning was like, you know, I don't believe Kiss are retiring or going to call it a day until I see them in their Kiss coffins. And then 15 minutes after that, he does another interview where he says, well, Twisted Sister's going to probably reunite next year, 2024, for political causes, which means they're going to get together, play, we're not going to take it. And every candidate, I think... She won an election somewhere. So, I mean, didn't Twister's sister retire years ago, too? Didn't he say that they were retiring and they would never play live again? It was over. He's had it. He put it behind them. He was concentrating on D. Snyder and what he was doing with himself. But yeah, they did get back together a year or so ago for their uh, Heavy Metal Hall of Fame thing. And I get that. They got nominated for an award. Most of them got back together and they tried to do the show. But now they're going to get back together next year to play for a while. Like 10 different, you know, Democratic candidates who want to use We're Not Going to Take It. He just talks a lot of shit, D. But he's a great guy to interview because, you know, he pretty much runs interview all on his own, but it's Dee Snyder. All right, let's get on some Ruthless. Do something brand new. You might have heard this already. It's been up for a while. The first single off the new record, this is Betrayal. By the time we're done with this, the band should be calling in.
All right, Betrayal by Ruthless. I believe we got Sammy on the line right now. Sammy, you there? I think you do. All right. <laughs> Are we waiting for Sandy to call in? Is he with you? Uh, no, Sandy's going to call in, too. All right. So we'll get started before he does. Hey, listen, I'm happy to have you back on here again today, and what a great way to end the year. You know, you're my last guest for 2023, so we're ending it with Ruthless. Oh, cool. And we kick off the year with a brand new record by you guys. So how does it get better than that? It's a Ruthless sandwich. Yeah. yeah, I'm well. I'm glad to be back on with you, brother. It's been a while, you know. I mean, uh, we've we've uh, been through quite a bit since the last time I talked, you know. Yeah, um, a lot's happened. Yeah, it, yeah, a lot's happened with everything in the whole world, you know. <laughs> well, I I think that song "Betrayal" I just played kind of sums up a lot of what you know people feel about the last couple of years. Exactly. Exactly. You know. I mean. I do political stuff, but I don't do it like where people usually notice it. I kind of hide it in my in my songs. This one, that one, I kind of came out with the lyrics and let and kind of just said, you know what, this is how everybody feels in this world right now, and I'm and I think that uh, we need to speak it out. You know, absolutely. Hang on a second, Sam. I think we got a. Uh, let me see here, Sandy on the line. I get confused on how to connect everybody, but I think I should be able to get it right now. All right. Okay. Sandy, are you there? Sandy, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. I'm... Oh, great. Sammy's on the line. Hey, I'm about a thousand today. Hey, Sandy, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well, thanks. Uh, yourself? <laughs> oh, not bad. It's been a long time since yesterday, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, it's great to have both of you on here. You know, we were just talking with Sammy about, you know, betrayal, you know, what it's all about and you know, kind of sums up how a lot of people in this world have been feeling over the last couple of years. And, you know, Sammy was talking about, you know, I'm getting really political with this song. But, I mean, you know, you can say political, Sammy, but it's just about, you know, the way people feel about the government over the last couple of years. It's not against any one individual. It's just about, you no. know, the, the world in general. It's everywhere. No, you, I agree with you on that. It's not really, when I, when I say political, it's not really, I mean, you, like, you're right. It's, it's the government's not in just this country, but every country, you know, and, and people are starting to wake up and see that, you know, we're being screwed, you know. And that's kind of that's kind of how I felt. I usually don't come out and say stuff like that, but it's kind of how I felt when I wrote the lyrics. So anyway. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a great tune. And, Sandy, you know, you've been with the band Thank now you. a long time. I mean, you're like the, the longest running member behind Sammy. I mean, it's been like eight or nine years so far. Yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, we've been playing together since uh, 2016. So, yeah, we've, uh, you know been making some really good music and uh sure went through qu quite a few lineup changes but you know i've known sammy for over 38 years so it was kind of good to finally yeah. connect and actually start playing music together absolutely and you know if people don't know who you are from bloodlust alone i mean that just you know i mean it goes back to that you know exactly yes yes definitely that was uh, back in 1985 we uh, did the guilty of sin on metal blade records yeah, uh, amazing how long it's been. You know, somebody was saying the other day, I was thinking about something. I was like, oh, 30 years ago. I was like, wait a minute, 30 years ago was like 1990-something. They were talking about the 70s. That's how quick <laughs> time is going by with 30 years. It's not even what it used to be for us. <laughs> that's no. true. That's true. No, it's getting shorter than it is longer anymore, huh? <laughs> that's true. That's insane. But, you know, touching on what Sandy just said about, you know, line of changes. I mean, you guys have gone through your fair share, like most bands have that have been around for, you know, four decades. 
but as it get harder and harder as we get older, until you get to the point where you say, you know, I, we have a certain sound, a certain style, and now we got to find people that fit in with it or can adapt to it because everybody wants to come into a band and bring a little bit of their own to it. But yet, you know, when you join an established band that has a reputation for a certain style, you know, you want them to kind of like go along with that. Well, that's, I'll let Sandy answer that. <laughs> No, you know, you're right, you're right, yeah. You know, that's like when we, I hooked up with Sammy, and I know Ruthless, you know, they they have a sound, and that's their, their that's the sound that um, they're known for and the way Sammy sings. And so, I, you know, for me, I tried to bring that that kind of uh, history, you know, as far as when they're writing the music, to bring it to, like, sound like a classic Ruthless style of the, you know, true 80s metal with maybe a little modern... Um, style uh, production. True. When you think about that. Finding guys to play, like, finding guys that are really in that mindset, like me and Sammy, uh, you know, it it is kind of difficult, uh, as you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about Ruthless, you go back to the history. I mean, Metal Without Mercy, Discipline of Steel from back in 85 and 86, that kind of established the band and its sound. When you got back together, mm-hmm. They Rise came out, Evil Within came out. It was still ruthless. You could tell who it was, but yet the band evolved, and it kept evolving from album to album, and in a good way. So, you know, there is growth and, you know, differences in the band compared to, like, Metal yeah. Without Mercy, but yet it's still ruthless. That's kind of hard to do. It is. It is. But Sa- Sandy and I have really have really gotten to where we, I mean, we, we know each other's styles really good, and, you know, when he writes something, he writes toward my vocals, and uh, you know, and in fact, even with the lyrics, you know, we will will uh, I'll I'll go over lyrics with him, and he'll say, well, you know, maybe we could put this in there or that in there. We 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 uh, work well together. And then we got Glenn in the band, and Glenn's just not only a phenomenal guitar player, but but uh, he's a great songwriter too. He really is, and I'm saying, you know, the album sounds great with him on there. His first record with the band playing guitar, you know, people, and it's not to one guitar player now. Well, yeah, it, no, it, it, it was one guitar player on the album. Glenn did all the guitars on the album. We had another guitar player, but um, he kind of, it just didn't work out. And so we were looking at each other. We're ready to go in and record, and we decided, you know what? Um, let's just let Glenn do it all. He can do it, and he did it, you know? So now we do have another guitar player we just added him a few months ago he played the gates of metal with us in fact david cervantes is fantastic guitar player that's great i mean you know all the albums were two guitar player bands so you can go there but you know having four guys is a lot easier to deal with than five guys as far as personalities go uh, yeah that's yeah, true it can, <laughs> it can be yeah that's true that's true I, I, that's true listen yeah. you, you survived the kenny era so i mean how bad can anything be after that <laughs> Why he'd want to be a hairdresser besides playing in a metal well, band is beyond me. But you know, well, 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 because he because he liked because he liked hair metal, man. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm joking. I I don't I don't want to say anything bad about anybody, brother. So I'll do that. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of that part. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, but it, 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 the new record does sound good. And Bob is back in the band again. It is 245th go around. Bob is back playing drums again. Um, no, he's not. Okay, so, he so that's 256. Al- he was he, he was for the album. What happened was is. Uh, well, Bob's a really good drummer. Okay, he, he's he's just not as uh, uh, 
if you would help me with this, Sandy, he's not really a metal drummer, would you say? Yeah, no, I think Bob um, is definitely a, a, a ruthless drummer, but I think the style has changed a bit, and I think he was more in the yeah. hard rock style of, the, of, of that 80s style, and I think um, so that kind of was a little bit of a, you know, different style for him to yeah. work on some of these new songs, but he's on the album, you know, he recorded the yeah. album with us, so. Yeah, he he he. Uh, plus, he he broke his ankle, and uh, he just he just wasn't the same after that. And so um, we just basically told him we had to move on, and he he was cool about it. He really yeah. was cool about it. And 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 uh, and we got we got Joe Gassi back, and Joe's Joe's a monster. You know that from the from the from the the Evil Within album. Yep, absolutely. So. This just goes back to what we were just saying. It's hard to keep people together today. I mean, it doesn't always have to be, you know, bad things happening, animosity between band members. Shit just happens. People's musical tastes, you know, changes, injuries. We get all the... It's getting, it does get harder and harder. Yeah, yeah, it does. That is true. That is yeah. true. <laughs> that is a big part of it nowadays, yeah. But, you, you know, you come from California, so you do have a wealth of people to draw from over there. But is it hard to find people that are willing to fit into what you're doing? Um, it's getting to be that way. I mean, you know, um, we, we, uh, we couldn't really, we were, we were looking around. We really couldn't find anybody that really would fit well to what we wanted to do for quite a while. Um, and, uh, um, finally, you know, um, we got, we talked to Bob, I got Bob to come down and, 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 uh, Bob was jamming with, with Glenn and, and, uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn, uh, fit in perfectly. And, and, uh, that's, that's how we started. That's how this whole thing started. Yeah. You know, five years since the evil within, you know, COVID kind of took everybody out of commission for a good two or three years. Sure you know, did. they weren't able to get anything going on. So how was this album coming about? Was it kind of in the works before COVID hit or was it just about that time where you're getting ready to work on this? Um, well, during COVID, let's see. I think Sam, I had written some demos yeah. just to kind of get keep things going, and I'd sent them to Sammy just to so he could work on the lyrics and just to maybe have something to work on in the meantime. And then when we got together with Glenn, uh, we started like collaborating, and that kind of was really good. Like on the Fallen, that was a collaboration of all of us uh, together, you know, working that out in the rehearsal room. So I think that song came out really well as far as uh, all of our different influences together. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think uh, I think uh, the one of the songs that you did send me, I think that was Tulsa Doom. It turned out to be oh, Tulsa yes, Doom. Yes, I think Soldiers it was. Of Doom. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Soldiers of Steel, I think, was another and one. And so, Soldiers of Steel too. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. we we'd already started working on those, and then we got like Sandy said, we got to be together with Glenn and just started collaborating, and it just it just all popped from there. I was going to say, does it come together easier once you guys get like a groove going and you kind of know the direction that the songs are going to start taking? Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially when you get in the room and everybody is, you know, kind of like starting to get to know each other, our, our styles, and and I think that's where it uh, starts to come out in the music. Exactly. I agree with that. 
I mean, personally, I can't wait to hear the whole record. I only heard the two singles because, you know, Fire Flesh has me on the Pain on Mind list for some reason. I didn't get my uh, advanced copy yet, so. (laughs) (laughs) So I only heard the two singles, you know, but they don't give you nothing until, like, the week or two before it comes out. I mean, even the other labels now, like, they give you to on the street there. I'm like, how am I supposed to help you promote it or preview it if you don't give it to me to the day everybody else gets it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hard anymore because they they want to release everything at a certain time. Even with the, even with like you you know you guys and you know shows like you have and 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 magazines and stuff like that, they don't know everything. You know, I've been doing a lot of interviews and they've only listened to just a, a few of the songs. You know, and and uh, it's 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 pretty hard. <laughs> no, it, it really is. Unless you come from Greece or South America, you can't get nothing anymore. That's only people that care about it anymore, the people in Greece. <laughs> yeah. They got like the biggest metal community. Like the guy that owns the corner, the corner donut still gets the album before I do because he's a bigger metalhead. <laughs> it, it's it's well, a crazy it's a crazy a world lot of out there. In Greece, man. No, there are there are. There really are. You know, it, it's funny Great because you know if you go back to the '80s, every band wanted to come to America. You know, the break big here. This is where everything was kind of happening. You know, or, or the UK too, but really it was here in America. Now, you know, it started shifting over to Germany during the '90s and over to different European countries when metal kind of died out over here. Then you realize how big it was in South America and. In Greece, I mean, the internet's a great thing for letting you know, like, where you can find your fan base. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Sandy's been to South America. I haven't, so he can tell you more about that than me. But yeah, the metalheads there, I've heard, are really great. So, oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, definitely South America, Chile, Argentina. They just are so passionate about the metal, and especially you know, metal from back in the '80s. It's definitely a great, great appreciation. You know, when you go there, that to feel like, you know, oh, what we're doing actually is, you know, is worth it. You know, people really uh, enjoy it and get into it. Yeah, what's more impressive is, like it says, they're a young audience. They're kids that are like our kids' age, you know, like in their 20s, and they've come across the, the music from our generation. It's just like, you know, the, the nuts for it. Yeah, yes, you're seeing definitely. more. You're seeing, yeah, I agree. I agree. And you're seeing more and more, you're seeing more and more uh, kids, younger kids at shows, you know. You're seeing kids come with their parents shows you know and it's cool i mean i i enjoy seeing a kid dressing up like like we dressed in the 80s you know yeah <laughs> and cool it is cool I mean, hey look like years ago when my kids were young i used to take them to shows now i don't even want to see my kids anymore because it's just pain in the asses but back then i would take them with me everywhere <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh yeah. yeah my kids my kids uh you know they're great kids but you know sometimes you want to be without them so <laughs> I, absolutely unfortunately i bought a two-family house i got them living next door to me so i can't go nowhere oh oh there you go one lives in long beach and the other lives in irvine and i and i live out in the desert so they're far enough away so when i see them i'm happy to that's beautiful. That's to me. That's a beautiful thing. Me when I hear like the door creak open next door, I, I turn the lights off. I turn the TV down. I like hide behind the doorway. It's like it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just not to get caught. I'm yelling at my wife. Don't flush the toilet bowl. Don't flush the toilet bowl. Shh. <laughs> Let them think we're not home. <laughs> it's a crazy world we live in. But listen, recently you guys played the Gates of L.A. Festival, uh, the first one over yeah. in, in very, very long time. I mean, you know, there was a point where, you know, bands looked to get on every festival they could because that was really the only thing happening. You couldn't go out on tour. Getting local shows was here and there. So they wanted to hit that festival circuit. 
now after like 20-something years, it seems like even the festivals are starting to struggle a little bit. I don't know if it's because they keep repeating themselves band-wise, not giving other bands a chance to come on there, or people can't handle 20 or 30 bands in a day. I mean, how did you feel about the Gates of L.A. Festival? How did it all go? I, I thought our set went fantastic, and I thought that it was – I thought that, that, they, that it flowed well. Um, I – Think that I think that the the crowd itself was was good that was there, but I, I think that we could have it could have just been a little more diverse as far as bands went and everything, and we didn't we had like one day it was all it was all uh, it was all like hard rock heavy metal, and the next day it was all thrash, you know, and it could it could have been it could have been a little little diverse both days, and it might have brought in a better crowd. It's getting hard everywhere for everybody, especially now the economy is tough, so people have trouble coming up with money for tickets. It's a tough sell. I mean, you know, plus after COVID, you know, you knew every band was going to try to hit the road and start playing, and that's exactly what happened. And you were getting shows yeah. five or six nights a week, and now you got to pick and choose, like, how many nights can I go out? It just seems like, you know, we lost the, the album part of the business, you know, when the record labels kind of went belly up and everything went digital. And now it seems like even the touring part of it is getting hard. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I mean, I'm trying real hard to uh, to to uh, book us really good shows, you know. And 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 um, uh, being being like the guy that's doing the booking and stuff, because you know you don't want to you don't want an agent because of booking. You, I would love to have a booking agent, but they want to they want to take almost every bit of money you got when you play. Yeah. So, you know. So I I don't you know. Um, it's and it's easier for us because I can just come back to the guys and say, "Hey, you want to play this? You want to play that?" Rather than have an agent say, "I booked you here and I booked you there, and you better be here at a certain time." You know. <laughs> no, uh, you're, you're and, right. Uh, I mean, you have to kind of pick and choose when and where you play these days because we've all got other parts and other things happening in our lives. So, is it possible to say, "Hey, you know, we, got, we just got off of a tour for a month to go hit the road"? Could you actually do it, or you really just got to kind of pick and choose where you go? Uh, we pick and choose. Yeah. Yes, Andy. Yeah, definitely. We have to pick and choose like that. With you know, everybody's what they have going on in their lives. It it seems like it works out that way. Definitely to uh, be it, a little more selective nowadays. Yeah, it's be, it's it, it's easier for us if we know everybody's schedule and everybody's able to do it. And then, okay, well, we're gonna do this show here, and you know that makes it that makes it a lot easier. You know, um, right now there's several, several shows pending, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see when, when the promoters get back to me and stuff on certain things and, um, we'll be playing, we'll be playing quite a bit. Well, I hope one of those shows is back here in New York because it's been a long time since I've seen you guys over here. There's a, there's a couple pending right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you can't mention nothing, but, uh, I think I kind of know what one of them is. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I and, bet you do. And that would be great. As long as it's not November 30th. Of all of ours. Yep, because Manowar's playing November 30th in New York, the first show in America in like uh, 142 years. So, you know, everybody's going to be there with that. <laughs> no, nah, it'll, okay. it'll, it'll be before then. Yeah, I would love to go to that. I saw Manowar was only doing one show and it's in New York. So I yeah. was going, damn it. <laughs> I believe you don't want to go there. It's in one of the worst neighborhoods in New York. There'd be nobody at that show. At least nobody getting there alive anyway. <laughs> That's the show that the bodies will be laying on the floor in the street before you get there. They'll just be picking them off one by one. 
Well, I'll tell you, there's a couple shows we played out there where the, the, the neighborhoods weren't too great, but, you know, <laughs> we've done that in plenty places. There's a place we played, we, we, were, we played uh, back in 2019, we played a couple times up in L.A. The neighborhood wasn't too fantastic at all, but, you know, um, it, it, it was, it, it, you got to play those places, you know, and you get great crowds of those places, though, you know. No, you do. I mean, here in New York, you know, everything used to focus around Manhattan, you know, being in the city. That's where all the clubs were back in the day. And, you know, when yeah. metal started making a comeback about 10, 15 years ago here and people going out again, everything kind of shifted to Brooklyn, New York, because there's a lot of industrial areas over there. So it was easy to get, like, you know, clubs to open up, you know, on the cheap over there. So, but they were like industrial buildings, garages and other stuff. And, you know, but they're still, they're still playing. I mean, most of them survived COVID, and, which was hard because they were all shut down for a couple of years. But, you know, they do have a great scene. There are a lot of clubs in Brooklyn that people go to. And they're pretty close to the other outer borough, so it's easy for everybody to get them by, you know, bus or train or by car. So yeah. I can't wait for that to happen. It would be great to see you guys again. Oh, we love playing Brooklyn, yeah, I'd love huh, to Sandy? Go back to New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, li- I like New oh. York. Yeah, we played St. Vitus. That was that was fun. That was a good show. Yeah, so, yeah St. Vitus is a cool club. We get back there next year. St. Vitus, you got to you know what it is. The show's got to end, I think, by 11 o'clock over there because there's an old lady that lives upstairs and she wants to go to bed. So they can't play after 11 o'clock at night to make her happy. <laughs> oh, is that what was going on? Okay. Yeah. It's all residential maybe, over maybe there. That's, maybe that's, that's that pounding on the ceiling I heard yeah. when we were playing. <laughs> she's, she's banging her walking down, you know? <laughs> but I, think she, I think she might have passed away by now. It's been about five or six years. I think she might be gone. <laughs> Well, we, the last time we played there, what was that place we played, Sandy? What was the name of it? I don't even remember. Oh, uh, it was in Brooklyn. It was like a ballroom. Yeah. Yeah. It. it was upstairs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember the name at the moment. But I know what a, you're talking about. Good, uh, I, 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 I'm drawing a blank. I, I don't think it's the Monarch. I don't I know what I you're talking about. I just can't think of the name right now. But that that whole area has got a lot of clubs over there, so it, it is pretty vibrant, you know. So there are a lot of shows taking place and happening. Well, you know, if it's Ed, Ed's gonna Ed's gonna get a, a get, gonna get a killer show going. So anywhere, no matter what. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. He's all we got here. So he's only can we get really put on a, you know, he, good shows. He's a great guy and a great promoter, man. I mean, yeah, I love the I love the guy. Well, we won't mention nothing, but hopefully it'll all pan out and come through, and I get to see you guys again. Well, you'll 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 get to see us again, brother. You That's will. good. <laughs> well, you know, talking about the Fallen first record on Fire Flesh Records, you know, uh, how did it come about? Because the last one was on Pure Steel, if I remember. Even within, uh, yeah, we were we were uh, looking. We'd kind of we'd left we'd left uh, Pure Steel. Um, nothing against the people personally. It's just we needed to. We wanted to get more noticed, more and get more things done. We put out two albums, and it didn't seem like a whole lot was going on, you know. And and uh, two good albums, you know. And so we talked to we had we had we had gone with uh, Bart Gabriel's al- uh, label. He had a, a, a label, and and. Uh, it ended up being where he was just too busy with, with uh, managing bands and touring and stuff with, and stuff like that, where he couldn't, he couldn't do it anymore. And, and so we, we uh, did the album and then he helped us find, he helped us find uh, um, Fire Flash. Fire Flash is a part of Atomic Fire, which a lot of the people that used to be with, uh, I think, Nuclear Blast, if I remember. 
exactly. Yeah, so exactly. a well-established label. I mean, what do you expect from a label today? Because it isn't like in the old days where they say, you know, here's a million dollars, go record a record, we'll recoup it on the end, and you'll pay us back. And it's a whole different, you know, you know, rhythm today for record labels. So, I mean, what's the best you could hope for and expect? Is it just really promotion, getting the album out there, getting it distributed, getting it to as many people as possible? Yeah, well, that's what I think. Sandy, you think the same? I, I know he thinks the same way. Yeah, so. I mean, I think the key is, like you said, it's the distribution to get the uh, the record out there in all the different countries and, you know, promote it as much as we can on social media and, um, you know, for all the uh, old school metalheads. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it and and, and this this label here, they're uh, they're they're really good at that. They're excellent at that. And and um, I I really feel this album's gonna this album's gonna hit 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 uh, some good numbers. I think so. And what I love is like you know they they send out a single, they send out a single, and then you know you kind of wait for more, and then the album comes out. I think sometimes today with, with social media with the internet everything's just too saturated where a lot of bands are releasing the entire record song by song a week apart before the record comes out. Most people are like, well, you know, I just heard the whole record. It's on YouTube. I'm not going to even bother anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that that's, you know, it, it's, it, I think it's horrible when people think that way because it's not like owning that record or having it. CD, vinyl, you know, whatever you buy today. I mean, there's even some cassettes coming out still. People put out some cassettes here and there. It's more of a collector's item than something to listen to, but... I mean, that's, you know, how much do you think is enough? How much do you tease somebody with the music before you say, all right, you know, we're giving away too much of it now. Let's pull back and get them to buy the record. Well, I think it's, I think what they're doing right now is, is perfect. I mean, they put out two singles and um, they've given everybody a little taste of it, you know, and one single, one single uh, was a little different than the other one. And, and I, 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 uh, I like what they've done and, and, uh, I I I really I really think they're going to help us a lot. This this is a really good label. Um, uh, Marcus is I've I've had nothing but but uh, a good time working with this guy. He's great. They they are good people. They really are, and I'm hoping that it goes as far as they can take you with this. And it's it's really important because when you think about it, you know you got back together in what 2008 or nine. You know, with the, you reunited. Yeah. And you've had more output then than you did in the original heyday of the band in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. We've we've done more now than we did back then, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But when you think about like '86, when Discipline of Steel comes out, I mean, it, it kind of ended not long after that. I think it was maybe a year or so later that everything kind of fell apart. Maybe two years at the most. A few year, a few years later, like uh, eighty, the end of '88 or beginning of '89, it, it kind of started falling apart. Um, I I wasn't real happy with things, and you know neither was Kenny and Jack. So we just kind of went our different ways. That's got to be heartbreaking because you know the band started in the really early '80s when the really the scene was kind of just developing here in the U.S. You know the new wave of British yeah. heavy metal kind of took off, and we kind of latched onto a lot of that, and we started developing our own scene over here. You guys, Metallica, all these bands sort of came out around the same time '81, '82. But by the time, you know, the record comes out, you know, in uh, 85, Metal Without Mercy, the scene's already starting to change. I mean, it was so drastic back then. When you think about it now, I mean, every two years, there was something new coming out or, you know, we went from, you know, regular heavy metal to thrash and hair metal took over. Then we went to death metal. Every year, there was like a different genre taking over like the scene and everybody who didn't kind of keep up with it was getting left behind. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it it it, it changed a lot. I mean, you know, how do you feel about it, Sam? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I was kind of in the similar situation with Bloodlust. You know, we put the album out, and you know, we were from LA, part of the, one of the original the original metal scene here with Slayer yeah. and other bands like that. And uh, Dark unfortunately, Angel. we just had our own personal problems, and we couldn't keep it going. You know, it kind of affected the music. So, I think uh, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but at least we had that first album out. I that's went true. down and jam with Bloodlust. <laughs> oh, nice. that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. the audition singers and uh, Sammy came down once. Well, I would have liked to have heard what that. What happened? How come you didn't want to join us? <laughs> uh, you know, you know, there, it's, it's, it, it was my stupidity, put it that way. I, I, I did the same thing with, I did the same thing with Dark Angel too. I went, I went down and jammed with them, and 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 they went on tour, came back, and Jim asked me, he goes, you want to come down now? And I said, uh, I think I'm gonna stay with Ruthless. Well, when Earl called me up and says you got the you got the job, I called him two weeks later, two days later, and said, Earl, I think I'm gonna stay with Ruthless. <laughs> and what happens? Ruthless breaks up about a year and a half later, <laughs> and that's what it was. I mean, I loved the music, I loved the guys, you know, so. Uh, if you look at it through the eyes, you look at, yeah, but Sam, if you're looking at it, Sandy now. that's right. But if you're looking yeah. at it through your eyes back then, I mean, yeah, you say, oh, what was I thinking? But, you know, Dark Angel, you know, went off a little bit long and then they kind of fell apart too. I mean, they had a little lengthier run with a little success there, but it also happened to them also, like it did with a lot of bands. So back then it must have been, you know, oh, I'm kicking myself in the ass. But later on, you say to yourself, all right, maybe I would have been on one or two of those records, but it would have fell apart anyway. Well, yeah, but you know, I I kind of I I look at the fact like you know I could have I could have uh, I could have uh, gone on and, and done something different and and I I should have you know but you know you you make to me it's to me it's looking back at the past but um, you know I I and I I just I wasn't willing to let ruthless die is what it was that was my problem you know back then and even though I knew it was dying at the time I knew it was it was falling down but it's a hard thing to give up when you put your heart and soul into something especially you know for people people hear these interviews today they're like I don't know what they're talking about but they weren't alive back then or around back then to realize that you know at that point in time bands knew they had the chance to make it and succeed you know nobody really thought anybody was going to take off in 80, 81, 82 it was just everybody was having fun looking to create a scene nobody realized that you know major labels were going to get involved bands could get who the hell would have thought Metallica in 81 would have been where they were today nobody yeah, that's true. I mean, if you look yeah, at it, I mean, we we were on. Yeah, go ahead, son. No, I'm saying I, I agree. I agree with you, Mike. Yeah, it's, uh, nobody really knew. We were just all kind of like in our in our own scene, just kind of you know creating music and not even thinking about something past you know five years at that time. Yeah. We weren't even thinking past the next day. I think sometimes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we were just, we were just, we were just, uh, we were just having fun what we were doing, and we and we believed in what we were doing, you know, and and uh, um, it just, it just, uh, it, I don't know, it just, it just uh, all kind of uh, fell down, and I think it's because it got too saturated in certain parts, and uh, you know, everybody likes to blame hair metal, you know, but but uh, I won't, I won't go that far with it, but um, you know. It 
just it just got too saturated, I think. And the the record labels signed too many bands at once. We didn't even get signed to any kind of major label, not even a not even a not even a, a, a major independent. Sandy got Sandy and Bloodlust got on got on a Metal Blade, you know. We 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 didn't get that far, you know. Um, uh, and it, it yeah, it just it just I think all the labels just got too saturated and and started started having to weed out bands and the bands that got dropped uh, kind of uh, went to the wayside for a while and now a lot of people have come back. It's true. I mean, you, know, you talk about Metal Blade, like back in the 80s, Metal Blade and Megaforce were like our major labels. They were like the big labels you wanted yeah. to be on because they came from the underground, they came from nothing and they built up a you know a following and, and you know, every band wanted to get signed to those two labels. So, I mean, they were like the major labels yeah. to us back then. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the, it was uh, it was what uh, it was Metal Blade, uh, Megaforce, and I think Combat wasn't it too? Yeah, Combat was, was out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sandy, talking about Metal Blade, everybody always had this thing with Brian that like he just gave nothing to the bands. He didn't promote them. He didn't give them anything. Uh, was it a bad experience being with Metal Blade back then, or were you just happy to have a record out on a, on a label? I think we were happy to have a record label out and on a label and, and Brian was always really, really nice to us and they did a great job of, of promoting the album. Cause I remember there was playlists, you know, we would get from Europe and different uh, countries and, you know, we, they were promoting on the radio and so it was being played a lot. So I think everything like that was, our experience was good. I think it was just our internal problems maybe that, uh, you know, we're, we're in a, weren't as good, but I think as far as Metal Blade at that time, working with Brian and his team he had, you know, it was, it was actually a good experience. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's the two reasons bands break up or have problems. There's either internal problems within the band, within the members, or they just can't get anywhere. You know, there's nothing happening as far as live shows go, you know, management, uh, record contracts, and they just say, you know what, we're just, you know, you know, shit against the tide. Let's just call it a day. And they break up on good terms, but they just have to end it because it's not going anywhere. I mean, so I, with Ruthless, I'm guessing, like you said, it was more of a personality conflict within the band at the time. Well, 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 what, what, what it was is it was a lot of, it was a lot of conflict in the band. I mean, even from back, even from back in like 80, 83, 82, 83, um, put it this way, Kenny McGee almost didn't make it to an album. Um, I won't say any more to that, but he almost didn't make it to an album. Um, uh, um, but, but, you know, things went on and, and, uh, um, we, we had, we had, uh, we had Brian Slagle at every one of our shows. Brian's a cool dude. I like Brian a lot. You know, he was, he was always cool to me and always, co- always cool to the band. And he, he, uh, he always, uh, he was always at every one of our shows in the early days. And, um, uh, we should have hold, held up, but, uh, a couple guys in the band wanted to sign with this other label and, you know, a, a, um, uh, Ironworks, Azra, you know, and, uh, cause they had less bands. That's why. <laughs> they had less bands, but let's face it, that, that label went belly up too and did nothing for any of the artists. Jack Panzer were on there exactly. and a few other bands. They went nowhere. Exactly, exactly. The, the, I mean, Jack Panzer was on there for a little bit and, and uh, Dark Angel was on there for a little bit and both of them, both of them, you know, took off and went to other labels, you know. We we ended up getting stuck with another with another smaller label, which I wasn't too pleased with. And I started getting kind of a little dis, dis, uh, dis, uh, how can you say it? Um, 
I just started, I just started kind of being where I wasn't very happy with things at, 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 by, by the time, uh, by the time, uh, uh, discipline of steel came out, I wasn't very happy with things at all, but you know, um, I loved the band. I loved what I did and, and I wanted to keep it going. So here I am again. I'm so happy for that. Do you think all this happened with Kenny not making it to the record because he was more focused on selling hair products than writing good songs? (laughs) 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 Or was he made because he couldn't get you as a client? Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like his hair products. That's know. why you shaved your head so you didn't have to buy any of his hair products. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know, no, it's just there was just there was just things that I I don't like to bring up a lot of things like that, but there was things that just weren't weren't good between him and and me and uh, and uh, Todd. He him and Todd didn't get along well. You know, and him and Roland hated each other, and I loved Roland. Roland was a fantastic guitar player, you know, but uh, um, you know, it just happened that way. And and uh, like I said, here we are now, and I'm I'm playing I'm playing with one with one of my best friends, Sandy, and I'm playing I'm playing with with uh, with uh, three other great guys, and I'm happy with what's going on with this band right now. And you should be. I think you guys really sound sound your best. It's hard to say because you've never disappointed on any record you've ever put out over the years or the decades with any lineup. But I really think you guys are firing all cylinders on the fall. And I mean, it's just a tremendous album so far from what I'm hearing. And I know the rest of the songs are all going to fall in line with what the you know the two that have been released so far. Yeah, I think so. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to really like it. Especially the song we talked about, huh, Sandy? Salsa Doom. <laughs> yeah, Salsa Doom. It's got a good heavy uh, mid-tempo feel to it. I think you'll like that one. I think the album overall on this one, The Fallen, is, is a more balanced album than uh, Evil Within. Yeah. Like the songs, we got some. We got some fast songs. We have some mid-tempo songs. We have like a little, maybe a little slower, heavy songs. So it's got a good variety of uh, styles that I think uh, everybody's gonna like. And exactly, exactly. I mean, we've even got one song on there that's a little bit Black Sabbath sounding, early Black Sabbath, and I end think times. everybody's going to like that one, too. Is that End Times? Yes. Yeah. I, I can tell by the yeah. title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's got that, it's got that, slow, that slow Sabbath, you know, doom to it, and then it's got the Sabbath swing in the middle, and then back to the doom and everything it's pretty cool i like it so uh, i think though i think everybody's gonna love i think everybody's gonna love every song on there i really do i can't wait for the come out but sammy said i'm gonna cut you loose in the two minutes so i got rolling grab power waiting and you know those germans like like precision if you're two minutes late like all hell breaks loose with those guys so i don't want to piss them off and have them start world war three with us <laughs> I love I love Germans. I love them all, man. <laughs> what are the, I, great I, people. <laughs> I cannot wait for this record to come out officially January 12th on Five Flesh Records. I know you guys got a lot of things in the pot right now, cooking for next year. And, you know, I'm hoping one of them pan out in New York, which I think it will. Uh, but is there anything already definitely confirmed for next year that you want to mention that people can look into? Yeah, there's one. There's one uh, next September. We're playing out here in Hollywood with Udo. Nice. At the Whiskey. Yeah. Very nice. That's the whiskey out here. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's going to be a great show. Udo's a Udo's great like, guy. For me, 
Udo for me is like a bucket list. <laughs> you know, yeah. since he was with except. So he's a great guy. And when he yells at you, he's not really yelling at you. It just sounds that way because he's German. Everything they say sounds like they're yelling at you. But he you know, he he, he, he talks to me and he's yelling. And I'm like but I translate, it's like, Oh, I love you. I'm like, Oh, okay, I thought you wanted to kill me, but you know, he that's just the way they talk. They're like the Japanese. Oh, he's got that really he's got that really mean looking face. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't want to piss him off. <laughs> but he's a sweetheart. Listen, when you go to play with Udo next year, you got more of accept playing with Udo than you do with accept because Peter's back on base with them. So, you know, you got you, you got to do oh, with him. Yeah, man. that's right. That's yeah. right. That's at least right. he is right now. I'm sure I'm sure they'll have a falling out by next year anyway, but until then, at least he's with them. Yeah, that's cool. That's way cool. All right. all about that. Well, Sandy, Sammy, listen, you guys enjoy the holidays. Have a Merry Christmas. I can't wait for this record to come out. I'm going to promote the hell out of it. You know that. And I always love talking to you guys. So you're always welcome on here. Thank you, Mike. Have a great time. Lo- uh, Thanks, love, Mike. Talking to- love talking to you. Merry Christmas. You got it. Take care, guys. Have a great day. I'm going to play Soldiers of Steel right now. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, here you go. More brand new Ruthless. I wish I had other songs to play, but this is all we got right now.
of Steel. Absolutely love it. This album is going to be a killer when it comes out. Don't forget to grab yourself a copy. January 12th on Fire Flash Records. Alright, we're going to get the rolling grab pound in a few minutes. We'll play a couple of songs. Uh, I put out my list of my top 10 favorite records. It's hard to choose, you know, because there's so many more than that, but I kind of narrowed it down to what I thought were the ones that stood out the most this year. So we'll play a song off of, hopefully, most of those records before the end of the show. We're probably going to go in overtime tonight, go a little later, because it is the last show, the last live show of the year. So maybe we'll go to 8.30 tonight here on the, on the East Coast. So we'll see. Uh, we were talking, you know, I was talking with Sammy about the, the Gates of LA Festival and how I think some of them are struggling. And a couple of the festivals here in the U.S. just started to announce their lineups for this spring and summer. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, there's nothing about these festivals, at least the two that have been announced for that would want to make me get out of my bed or out of my chair to go see them. I mean, half the bands that are on the two that have been announced so far, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about the bands. They're probably very good bands, but most people haven't heard of them. The, the young bands or local bands from the areas that they come from, they probably couldn't fill up a half of a club where they live. So they're not going to be the draw at the festival. And, you're like, and one of the festivals, like, you know, they announced Night Demon as one of the headliners. So if anybody doesn't say to themselves, oh, well, if Night Demon are playing, no, Sarah Uncle have to be playing the next day. And they waited like a week to make the announcement for Sarah Uncle. Now, you know, if you got Night Demon on the bill, you're getting Sarah. There was no surprise to that. You know, and everybody's looking to get Sarah Uncle on right now because it's their final year. At least they say it's the final year of, of playing live and touring. So everybody wants to get them on. But how many times can you go see them, you know, if they're playing at festivals close to each other? So, I mean, so far, nothing here has drawn my attention. But I said, oh, wow. You know, I mean, Blades of Steel actually has Dexter Wood coming in from Italy and Greece. I, I love those guys, you know. And Mark is, is a great friend of the show. So, I mean, I would go just for that. But, you know, there's not enough extra happening for me to want to go see these shows. I know uh, Keep It True has got announced the next headliner this week coming up. So, we'll see who that's going to be. Uh, but it's just, you know, I don't know. It just seems like they're repeating a lot of the same bands over and over again, or they're all sharing the same bands on multiple festivals, or they're just running out of people to put on there. So I, I think they're starting to jump the shock. That's just my opinion. Everybody feels differently. If you go to Keep It True this spring, you'll see the place packed and sold out, you know? So who am I? <laughs> who am I to say anything? All right. So how about we, uh, we'll, do a, we'll do a triple shot of uh, three groups from my uh, top tens this year. We'll do some Jack Panza, some Anger Resort, and some Savage Grace. I got to get on a song for Christian, and then we'll talk to Roland right after that. So, uh, Jack Panza definitely in my top 10 this year, way up there high. This is Dr. Senton. None of us feared heights. We didn't have the luxury of such fear. The cables led us down into a dark abyss. 
but they also led us to a new home. These are 
that Admiral Byrd, our guest tonight, is not only our greatest living explorer, but he's been an inspiration to countless Americans. Admiral Byrd, you've been to both the North Pole and the South Pole. Is there any unexplored land left on this earth that might appeal to adventurous young Americans? Uh, yes, there is. And not up around the North Pole, because it's getting crowded up there now, because they find out it's really usable, not only to live in, but militarily. But strangely enough, there's left in the world today an area as big as the United States that's never been seen by a human being. And that's beyond the pole on the other side of the South Pole from middle America. And it's, uh, I think it's quite astonishing that there should be an area as big as that unexplored. Well, this is a tremendous So challenge. there's a lot of adventure left mm -hmm. down at the bottom of the world.
right, Christian wanted to hear Messiah Prophet, voice that's calling. There you go. All right, we got to talk the Rolling Grab Power. It's been 20 years since Master Plan's debut record came out. Let's play a song off that. We'll talk to Roland. Play another song, and then maybe we'll wrap it up with the year end, you know, the top 10 from this year, and we'll stick in one or two more if we can. So uh, let's do a little uh, Spirit Never Dies.
I'm fine. Nice to meet you. You too. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. Thank you. Well, you have to be excited. 20 years since the debut record. I mean, I can't believe how fast time has gone. I feel like it was just yesterday that I was walking into the record store and buying that album. Oh, man, that's nice to hear. To be honest, it's it's already in January. It's already 21 years. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're getting close to the end of the year now. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, but we had many problems to, to keep the schedule because of many changes here in Europe and FM records. That's why. Sure. But like I said, 20 years on now, I mean, you know, out of that time, a lot of bad stuff is happening. You know, the split with Halloween, which I think has been talked about to death by now. But out of that badness came the greatness of Master Plan. So, I mean, something really good came out of that split back then. Yeah, that's true. I remember when we did the first interview, which we um, you know put on our first you know, kind of um, album message. And, you know, it's like a DVD part of on it. We said it's the best what what was happening. You know, of course we hated the situation that we were not in the band. We get fired and everything, but we we did the best what we can do for our you know situation. Yeah, you and you did a great job at it. I mean, looking back now, I mean, everybody's proud and happy of the album that they put out at the time, and they they talk about it, they brag about it. When you look back now, 20 years, almost 21 years later, I mean, do you still feel the same about that record, or did you want to take this opportunity to maybe change some things around that you weren't happy with back then? No, not at all. I think everything, I'm really proud. Every song is, for me, kind of perfect. Uh, I mean, we wrote the songs around 22, 23 years You know, it took one year before we find a record deal. And the album release took time and everything, and you know, so everything was very, very exciting in a way. Of of course, it was kind of mixed feelings. You know, we had also a bit fear that we we're getting out of business if if there won't be success or something. But people loved it, and we had a good start. And you know, and uh, to be honest, the songwriting was just perfect for me. It was some some magical, which you maybe have just once in your lifetime. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like it. No, a- absolutely. I mean, there hasn't been a bad record yet to date, but I think Master Plan and Aeronautics really kind of like, you know, cemented the band and their sound, those two records together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's hard to say, but but it's like I'm very proud. I mean, now in the 20 years later, you, you, we're working on the next album already, and it feels like, hmm, of course, people will always compare it to our masterpiece, which we did there, you know. But I should be more relaxed about it because the time change, we're, we're getting older, we have different feelings, and it's always a time stamp when you make an album. I don't like to copy myself and all this kind of stuff, you know. I don't think you really ever have. I, I think Master Plan has a very distinctive sound. I mean, you know, you've had to go through a couple of vocalists, and different singers will definitely, you know, kind of change up how the band sounds. I mean, nobody plans to bring in different singers all the time, but it just happens. I mean, but you've had a pretty consistent lineup now for like the last decade. That's true. Um, we play still, I think, around 10 years we have the same lineup. And only on the drummer change, he's already eight years in the band. But, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to work with these guys and, and playing live. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun in this part. It's not about the business only. You know, it's like we're always happy to have played festivals. Now we go on tour again after 10 years. And uh, it will be end of February with Firewind here in Europe. And uh, many festivals coming, and maybe also South America at the end of next year. 
That's yeah. great. Yeah, 2024 is definitely looking like a busy year for the band, and hopefully we'll have a, a new studio record maybe next year also. Is that a possibility? Yeah, and um, basically we wrote everything already <laughs> one or two years ago, and we still didn't finish the vocal parts, so, so we're lazy with the lyrics and everything, but we have already three songs recorded, and I'm mixing it right now, and the uh, uh, first song will come out end of January as a text video or lyrics video, and then one month later, then a real video of the whole band's performance before the tour starts, and the album will come till early summer, I hope. Oh, that'll be fantastic. I mean, it's been about 10 years. I mean, we, we did get Pumpkins, you know, in 2017. You, you know, you reworked those old Halloween songs. Halloween songs, excuse me. But, you know, it's been 10 years since a, a new studio record of original material. And I guess COVID kind of uh, put everything on hold for a lot of bands, too. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's it's like a long period to, to release another studio album nowadays, you know, but it's... I was very busy with my studio and uh, had a, a lot of bands recording here from Slovakia, from Czech Republic, from Spain. I mean, worldwide. I had an Australian band. And, and, and so I was really busy and I was happy that, that I had some business. You know, it's not so easy anymore nowadays. And, uh, but now it's to get better. You know, I, I decided to keep focusing now more on Master Plan again because. 10 years was too long. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, you've been producing the records for a while now. Early on, I think it was the first two records, Andy Sneap was uh, the producer on those two albums. I mean, how do you compare what you do as a producer for Master Plan as like what Andy did in the beginning of the band when the band was just kind of starting out? I think the biggest uh, change in my life was uh, working on the, on the last Halloween album, The Dark Ride, with uh, Roy Z. And uh, it felt a lot of the situation, how you can uh, work on, as a producer, you know. I was learning from Roy so much, and I said, okay, for the first Masterplan album, I wanted to have some special guy, which I felt in love with, this kind of mixing skills, you know, as, as Andy Sneap. And I met him uh, a couple of months before we started recording. And, uh, and yeah, since then, we were friends, and I uh, was many times in his studio also learning. And, and he was teaching me for my own kind of studio, you know. And um, and it was uh, recorded, um, responsible for the sound, definitely, but uh, he wasn't arranging hard songs. That was basically done already. And um, now, now I'm happy I'm, I'm a bit better with all this kind of business and the mixing and mastering process. And But I'm still in contact with Andy, and he's a big superstar now. It's amazing, you know. He is, and is a part of Judas Priest most of the time on the live front. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I'm always going to the concert and, and visiting him, so it's, it's a lot of fun. But he doesn't have time for me anymore. I, I didn't went to his studio for six years already. Uh, that's a long time. But, you know, when you're working with somebody else who's trying to bring out, you know, the best of your music and your sound, and they're creating a, a sound for you, and then you become the person that does it, but you know your songs better than anybody else. You write them, you know, you know how they're supposed to sound. So is it easier for you to do the producing and the engineering knowing that, you know, you wrote the song, you know how it should be, or, or do you kind of like having that outside person who really doesn't know what you're writing come in and listen to it and kind of make suggestions for you? Uh, I don't know. I think it's some purple stuff, you know. You have a certain style. And uh, when I got my guitar, it always sounds like me, and especially since since I made Masterplan, created Masterplan. I mean, this is a kind of Les Paul, and uh, I try to make it as heavy as possible. 
And the arrangement of the stones is also something I learned over the years. And whatever we're touching, it's, it's a typical master plan sound. Even, you know, the mixing is not the main important part in this kind of stuff, you know. It should be clean, it should be powerful, of course, and, uh, you know. But I think it's it's a style which every person has or musician has, you know. It's like when I play solo, it's like you, oh, yeah, Poland, you know, it's my sound. You know, I can't copy someone anymore, you know, it's inside. That's true. You know, people talk about Master Plan and how great the songs are and how powerful and catchy they are, but people forget what an amazing guitar player you are. I mean, were you always technically proficient as a guitar player? Was it something that you really had to work out over the years? Um, I was definitely very, very into, you know, guitar playing, learning. and I was very inspired also of Ingvi Malmsteen for a long time in the, in the 90s. Um, but basically, when, when I started Master Plan, I, I went away again from this style. Um, I did also to how you call it neoclassical solo albums, and uh, but I'm not listening to this style anymore. So I'm I'm basically back to what I was growing up in the 70s. You know, it's like, I was very influenced of this, um, of course, in the beginning, Grand Funk, um, Deep Purple, all these bands. Later, you know, even even Judas Priest and Saxon. But between, I had very melodic uh, bands. You know, like uh, Total uh, Foreigner. Um, tons of bands, you know, all this kind of style. Kansas, very melodic, very harmonic uh, arrangements, keyboards always. And that's that's what you have in Mexican. A bit more modern, maybe a bit more harder. So the influence is there, and that, that's the kind of music I was listening when I was, before I went 20, you know. Sure. That's inside. You know, when you listen to a master plan song, I mean, people know what you can do on the guitar. You have Yingve Malmsteen who can play a million notes a minute, and you know, and he does most of the time. You know, you have someone like Eddie Van Halen who could do anything on the guitar, but yet, you know, you let the music do the talking. You don't show off with your guitar playing. You don't put stuff in there that shouldn't be in there. Is it hard to kind of hold back and just give the people the song the way the song is supposed to be, when you can really go off on the guitar? I think. Um... The key of my my style is not showing too much. You know, it's like I I don't want to to impress people with solo playing only. I think the arrangement of a song for me is more important. Uh, to have a powerful song to make space for a solo part, the best would be always an extra part in the song, not a solo which has a different key or different melody or chord changes. And uh, I don't like to 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 play solo on one chord or something like like some bands doing it. You know. And it should be melodic somehow and uh, inspiring. And the best would be when people can remember the song and even sing it, you know. And, of course, I like to show a little bit here and there, oh, this is impressive or this is fast or whatever. But I basically want to be known as a melodic player. And the solo part is always coming at the last moment, you know. I'm not trying to, to make this kind of arrangement. Let's hear, let's look what I do, everything, you know. It should be more... As a team player, I see myself even in Bowman. True. You know, in the beginning, there was talk of, you know, of Russell Allen being a part of the band and being a singer. I think this was more before it was a, a full-on band. And then Yorn was brought in. And I, you know, at the time, I was like, I didn't, like, put the connection together. Like, I said, I don't know how Yorn is going to sound. And the songs were phenomenal, but he's really not meant for this kind of music when you think about it. Hmm. Um, not getting it quite. What, what do you want to know now? Sorry. Uh, with, with, when Yorn joined the band and became the singer, 
I mean, he really wasn't yeah. known for like the kind of music that Master Plan was like writing at the time. So I didn't know how it was going to work out with him becoming I the think, singer. Uh, yeah, well, I think Jorn, Jorn was really special for us. I mean, we we, we had a feeling we, we don't even know if it works because uh, his style was very different. He's not known as a power metal singer, especially yeah. the German kind of style. And uh, but it worked really well. It was a surprise. I think we created something new. The influence of Uli Kirsch and me, and the, the Halloween influence, the power metal influence, and his blues style was sometimes progressive, and he had so many different colors in the in his voice, and I think there was something very special, and I think he felt it and loved it as well in the beginning, but later he went away a bit and uh, wanted to follow his own steps, you know. True. Is that the hardest part about being in a band today? Is finding four or five men to play with that are willing to put in whatever it takes to make the band a success and happen? There's always going to be a leader of the band. You know, that's just the way it goes. But everybody has to be on board. And is it hard to find people that are willing to dedicate their time to a band? Yeah, I think it's definitely uh, not so easy anymore. You know, in, in the past, I think uh, if you have success right from the beginning, then, then it's a better chance that the people stay together. But if you feel like, oh, this was not enough, then you the blaming of record label, or why why we didn't play more, or this or that, you know, this is a kind of trouble since the market gets worse and worse. And now everything has five bands nowadays when, when he's good, or other bands as well, you know, musicians. And uh, that's definitely not so easy to keep a um, good lineup together. That just seems to be the way things are going today, where musicians have to be in multiple bands if they want to make a living doing this and keep an active. But does it kind of dilute from the main band that that person's in? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, this started kind of also when 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 I saw that one singer, let's say Jorn, started singing Blitzner here and their solo albums, and um, then Avantasia and and and. Let's see Ronnie Romero, which is also a guy I was recording here in my studio. I was mixing um, lots of black, I think four albums already. And he's a good friend as well. And But he's singing on every project, like MSG or Adrian Vandenberg, still in lots, lots of black, now solo. And I think it's, it's uh, when you see every two months, every month, a new video of the, of the singer. It makes me tired, you know. I felt I felt the bands were more special in the in the old times, when they had a, every six months in the seventies an album or once a year, and this is like, come on, it's like an overdoses, you know. It's like too much, you know. Yeah, well, you know, you go to the seventies. I mean, Kiss would put out two records a year, and then in the late seventies, yeah. early eighties, a band would put out a record, tour for a year, put out a record, tour for a year. You know, as a songwriter, as a musician, I mean, like like Kiss had people writing a lot of music for them, so they really didn't have to worry so much about the songwriting. But yeah. other bands, that has to be difficult trying to produce on demand because it kind of takes the creativity out of writing music. So is it better the way you've been doing it? I mean, there's been 10 years since the last studio record, but normally you've gone about maybe three years in between records, which seems about a fair amount of time. Yeah, it's definitely different, you know, when you... When you writing songs all the time like like for some some guys are professional songwriter not even playing live they're just writing songs and sending it to every band and this is like i can't do this you know even even in the 90s i was writing maybe three songs in a year that's it and it's enough when you when you have five guys in the band writing songs but uh, nowadays you know it's it's it's, it's a kind of uh, 
difficult. You know, you have a career, you wrote so many songs, and now you try not to copy yourself or to repeat yourself. And that's, that's not so easy to get inspired and to, to write something special or something different again, you know. But I try it always. You know, it's, it's just getting harder. True. You know, when Master Plan first formed, I mean, here in the USA, metal kind of died in the 90s. And by the time 2000, 2001 came around, all these new young bands started coming out, writing that classic power metal from the 80s. Guys like yourself, you know, formed Master Plan. I mean, in Germany and over in Europe, it was a lot easier, I think, for bands because it never kind of died over there like it did over here. But was it difficult getting the band started at that time when people were just starting to rediscover heavy metal again? The younger generation, I should say. Yeah, so I think, yeah, the time was kind of like that, you know. I think in Europe it was definitely easier. And when you see all these festivals, they're always packed and full, especially Wacken, you know, it's, it's amazing. We just played them again, but it's like, you know, not so easy to go to America because sometimes people ask me, when you come with Master Plan, and we played only so far uh, Proc Power Atlanta, I think it was three, four years ago, yeah, or five. And uh, this is like, come on, that's not easy. You know, there's a big risk if to play small clubs and have all this traveling, and so it's not so easy. But uh, nice package would be awesome. I would, my my dream would be like Scorpions, you know, supporting or something. But uh, uh, soon, soon great. it's over. They they getting yeah, soon they're getting in the age where you think, hmm, how many times they touring still, you know. True. Is it better just you know to try to play the festivals, do that festival circuit from the spring to the fall, where you could play in front of a large audience at one shot, instead of you know, like I said, take that expense and that chance of going from club to club? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I did the last ten years. So we, I, I think I decided uh, after the Novo Militium tour in uh, thirteen two thousand thirteen, I guess it was. And I said, hey guys, I think this is um, too risky now for me because. I'm the main guy in the band who, who pays everybody and this and that. And when, when you make minus, then it's on my shoulders. And I said, okay, let's do just festivals. And that was a secure thing, you know. You play in, in front of a bigger audience and everything is paid from the from the festival. And you're booking just a flight and calculating on your own what's what's left, you know. And this was really fun. And uh, But now we have the chance to support, not supporting, but uh, co-headlining with Firewind and... Uh, the promoter takes the risk this time. He said he will arrange everything, and then I said, "Okay, then then we do it." You know, it was great. Sure. Do you find that the promoters are pushing more and more of their responsibility onto the bands these days, and they want you guys to do their job? Yes, definitely. It's a it's a bigger difference. You know, they they said, "Yeah, so little details like hotel rooms are you know not booked anymore, or you have to share." And um, other stuff, you have to make um, meet and greets, you know, to to get some extra money for the fans that they can meet meet you before the show, getting earlier success access, sorry, uh, to the merchandise, and then so very special things which you never did 20 years ago, you know. And um, that's the difference. So you have to work harder to keep the keep the train running, you know. 
it's a whole different business environment right now, but I'm glad that after 20-something years, you're still doing it. Roland, I'm not going to keep you. Uh, I'm going to let Dustin go. So what an amazing job putting this record out again because there's a whole new audience of fans that haven't heard it or weren't around when the original Master Plan record came out. Now they can get it with bonus tracks, a DVD, and more importantly, 2024, we're going to have a brand new album, which I'm really excited for, and I can't wait till January to hear that first debut song off it. Yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned it. And it's, it's sometimes uh, funny when, when people ask me, uh, which band are you playing? And they don't, still don't know it. Or the worst is uh, when some Halloween fans write to me, what did you do after you left the band? <laughs> <laughs> There's a pretty big catalog. There's a great catalog yeah, of music so, for them to find. They had a look. <laughs> so I, I said to myself, hopefully I didn't uh, you know, wasted my time. So people... Check out the album, please. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's great to have it back again. And Roland, you take care and have a great night, my friend. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for the interview, man. Thank you. Bye-bye.
All right, the kid rocks on. Yawn on vocals over there. All right, I want to thank Roland for being on tonight's show. Sammy and Sandy for being on tonight's show. We're going to go another 20 minutes or so. Wrap it up around 8.30 here on the East Coast tonight. Get on some more music because this will be the last show until January. Uh, but don't forget, next Sunday night, you know, tune into the Merry Metal Christmas Extravaganza and the following Sunday on New Year's Eve. It's our happy new hair special. We play just hair metal for one hour. Uh, it's, you know, just sit back and enjoy it. They'll be up on the, the next Sunday and the Sunday after that. When we do come back in January, the first show back will be January 7th. We have Paulie Z from ZO2. I used to love that Z-Rock show that they had. Him and his brother, his brother David, passed away uh, about two, three years ago now. He died in that car accident out on the road with the Adrenaline Mob. Uh, but the band is back together. Sean McNabb is playing bass with them right now. So we'll be talking to Paulie Z the first week of the show. For some reason, I've been having trouble lining up. I mean, the last two weeks of every December... The music industry kind of shuts down, you know? You don't get many album releases, very few of them anyway. Uh, PR companies, reporting companies, they all just kind of like, you know, tune out for the holidays. So I usually look for a couple of guests that are friends of mine to come on the show. And I've reached out to like three or four people so far to come on. And like, yeah, I would love to come on. Okay, and they're like, well, you know, I need a date. And they don't give you the date. I'm like, so you got to pick a date. Here are the dates that are open. Pick one of these dates. I can't get an answer out of anybody. So Paulie Z was good enough to say, yeah, I'll come on the 7th. So we got Paulie Z on here. And we'll see what else we can line up over the next week or two. All right. How about we do some Bible Black right now? Uh, they were a great band. They formed in the very early 80s, 80, 81. I think almost every member of the band is dead except for Andy McDonald. Uh, on guitar, the guitar player for the band, Gary Driscoll on drums passed away uh, back in the 80s. Craig Gruber passed away in 2015. Jeff Fienholt, who was one of the singers in the band from like 81 to 83, he passed away. The band also featured Lou Marolo, who is better known as Eric Adams on vocals, and Joey Belladonna was, I think, the last singer in the band in 83 before joining Anthrax. I forgot what his real name was. It was, uh, I'm trying to think. Let me see if I can figure it out. Joey Belladini or something. I think that's his real name. But Joey Belladini, Jeff Fienholt, and Eric Adams were the three singers for Bible Black during their two or three year existence. Let's get on a song that Joey is singing on. How about we do... I was actually going to get the Eric Adams one because, you know, Man of War is coming back to America. You know, Joey DeMeyer made a video from the airport that he flew back home to sign a contract. Meanwhile, I, I thought the guy lived upstate New York in Auburn, New York in his parents' basement. I don't know where... <laughs> he's in Germany. I don't, I don't think the band is really located in Europe, but you never know with Man of War. They make everything out to be bigger and better than it is. But they are playing the King's Theater next November 30th, I believe. Uh, I have really no interest in going. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous watching seven-year-old guys dressed in loincloth uh, still screaming out that death to false metal shit. But yeah, I'm sure it'll be packed. It is Man of War, so we'll see what happens. But uh, how about we do uh, Deceiver by Bible Black? This features the very young Joey Belladonna as Joey Belladini on vocals. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Believe and the Far Side of All Hell's Breaking Loose, another one of my favorite albums from this year. Probably the number one out of all the ones I put up. Uh, I listed my top ten on the websites today, and, you know, I, I kind of like, to me, they're all number one. I can't pick one over the other, but if I had to, definitely Raven. You know, they are definitely probably the number one album of the year. They really captured that old sound more than any other record, I think, before this one. Just such a solid record. That, The Savage Grace, and The Jack Panzer are probably my top three for the year. So, uh, you know, pick up all these great records that came out in 2023, and 2024 is shaping up to be another great year. January's got a bunch of great releases coming out, so hopefully we'll have them on, and we'll get the guests of those records on the show over the next month or two. All right, we're going to wrap it up here today with two more songs from my top ten records of the year. We're going to call it a day, but right now I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Tune into the holiday specials the next two weekends. We'll be back live on January 7th with Paulie Z from ZO2 and the Z-Rock TV show. I used to love that show, like I said earlier, but it's just enjoy what time we have left in this year with your friends and your family. It was a great year for heavy metal. It just seems to be getting better and better every year. The bands, the albums that are coming out, and next year's looking to shape up to be just another good one. So, how about, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Sepultura is retiring. It's about 20 years too late for that, but they should have did it in the late 90s when Max Cavalera left the band, or even like maybe 10 years later when Igor left. Uh, but they're finally packing it in. I think that's another band with no original members. Or Paolo was in the band after the first tape or something. I don't even remember. But they're calling it a day. So we'll just wrap that metal news up. We're going to get new Warlord, whether we like it or not. They first threatened us with a tour and playing live the Honor Bill's Legacy. Then all of a sudden there's a record to back it up. So we'll play it. And I'm sure we're going to have Mark Zonder on the show next year. And uh, we'll mention it to him. I'm not nasty or mean to any of my guests. I'll talk shit here. But I don't get like that with the guests. But we'll question him like, why? What was the point? doing this, you know? And I hate to say that because he is one of the original members of the band. So I tell any original member of a band, you know, why did you do it without Bill or without Joe or without Frank? It's kind of insulting because I know, like, if my band had gotten back together and they said, why'd you do it without Mike? I'd be like, eh, you know, <laughs> it's just the way it goes, but it is what it is. So how about wrapping up with some Sivathon Ghoul and then a little bit of Overkill, Harder They Fall. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the holidays. I will see you in two weeks. Good night. Another waking nightmare
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.